Have you ever questioned whether you're making a positive impact in our world? Do you ever feel like your day-to-day routine is leaving you unfulfilled, unhappy, and uninspired? If you could do anything you wanted to do in this life, be anyone you wanted to be, how would that align with what you're currently doing? These are some of the tough questions we discuss on this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you will hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. From college basketball standout to cancer survivor professional athlete to depression and attempted suicide, successful sales career to vagabond, to finally father, husband, entrepreneur, and purpose-driven leader. Today we catch up with Justin Allen, former college and professional basketball player who, through several challenges and obstacles, including two-time cancer and severe depression survivor, has reinvented himself into an entrepreneur and life coach. In this inspiring interview, Justin walks us through the numerous trials and tribulations he has experienced as he's navigated his way through the valuable lessons of a life well lived and what you can glean from his difficult life circumstances, adventures, and the tough questions that we can be asking ourselves to evaluate our path and our purpose. As always, if you love what you hear on this show, then do me a huge favor and subscribe. Leave a positive rating and review and share this episode with a friend or loved one whom you think could benefit. All you need to do is open up your iTunes, which you're probably already listening from. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. Go ahead and click that five-star button. And while you're at it, just leave a little positive review. Ben, we love what you're up to. Love what you have on the show. Love the guests that you have and so on and so forth. I'd be so grateful for any feedback you could offer. And of course, if you want to talk about working with me personally, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Just schedule your free nutrition strategy call over at bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. And without further ado, here's Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. How you doing, brother? Not too bad, man. How you doing, bud? Great. Great seeing you again. Great to connect. Appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. Uh, what's been going on in your world here kind of post-quarantine? Yeah, just, uh, man, I mean, it's it's funny. When the quarantine happened, um, I've actually been more productive during the quarantine than I think I was before. It's just like less distractions from the outside yeah. world and been able to plug away. So I've actually had a really productive couple months. And now it's just trying to find like that that place of where to get back out in front of clients and where to continue to do zoom and comfort level with everybody. So it's kind of a weird area to play with, but uh, no, yeah, I've just been, been rolling, man. been rolling this whole time. You seem like uh, you're pretty extroverted type of guy. Like you'd really, you know, fired up by being around other people. And I know you're a coach and a speaker. So I imagine that to some degree it was hard for you to kind of be (laughs) locked down, especially if you're the type of person that thrives off of other people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I used to go to a coffee shop at least twice a week just to like be around people. Like I yeah. wouldn't even talk to I wouldn't even have to talk to somebody. I just had to work in the environment where I heard people. I might chat with somebody that was walking by. And so not being able to have that and get out of the house has been a little bit of a struggle. And I'm definitely used to going all over town, meeting with people in person. I just, I like that connection the best, yeah. you know, the actual physical connection and, and the energy that comes from that. So switching everything over to zoom and phone calls has been a little bit of a challenge, but I mean, I mean, if that's the worst of it, then it's like, there's a lot of worse things in life than, than having to get on this amazing technology to, to, to coach people. So well, yeah. it's been a challenge looking forward to it though. Looking forward to getting back. back that beauty out. is, I mean, as a entrepreneur, as a coach, I mean, it's been pretty cool to see in my experience, at least it's been pretty cool to see how much we can leverage in the virtual world here over the last couple months, Absolutely. just by, by virtue of having to do so. And you just kind of figure yeah. it out, you know, and yeah. It's pretty amazing what you can get done. Absolutely. When I mean, yeah, it's necessity. I talk about it all the time. What I mean, 
in everything that we have, like if you have the necessity, you figure it out. Yeah. And in, in this situation there, you know, a lot of people have had to figure out like, how do I survive or how do I move forward or how, how do I get my business going or how do I continue to have an, make an impact? Yeah. And there is no way you could just use the situation as an excuse. Like you had to do something. Yeah. So it's definitely uh yeah, but the technology has been amazing. Like it's, I can't imagine if this would happen 20 years ago. Right. Yeah, it would have yeah been struggle, totally. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a lot about kind of taking action and, and sort of the necessity to not just survive, but thrive. But before we do, I kind of want to jump into a more serious question. Enlighten the uh, listeners on a little bit of your journey. I mean, obviously you started yeah. at, at, at Arizona State and now you're in kind of this entrepreneurial health coaching, life coaching field. Yeah. Like what brought you to where you currently are? Yeah, my journey has been a little bit wild. It's been, uh, I think, like most people that kind of start finding their purpose or their passion, it was uh, created through a lot of hard times and through mm -hmm. some darkness and through some struggles of trying to like find my identity. So I played basketball at Arizona State. And while I was at Arizona State, I went through a cancer battle. So went through six months of chemo, eight weeks of radiation, kind of shifted my career a little bit. What year was that? My perception of what, that was in uh, 2000. So it was going into my sophomore season. So I was 18 years old. Um, I lost about, man, I was probably in the best shape of my life. I think I lost 65 pounds or so Oh man, going into that. And, and then, were you yeah, like mid season the, the or it was beginning of the year. Yeah. It started happening in the summer. I kept doing like, I was doing preseason workouts. I was trying to lift. I was going to training sessions, but I was just fatigued. I was tired all the time and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. They started checking. I have tattoos. So like, well, maybe you have this or maybe you have Valley fever. Like they were testing everything. And finally it kind of came to a head when I went to basketball practice early in the mornings, like a five in the morning practice. And I was going to everything. Like I wasn't going to skip anything. Cause I was, right. I thought I was gonna be six man, maybe seventh man that year as a sophomore and a pretty good team. So I was, uh, I wasn't going to miss anything Right, I'm not losing my spot. So I went to the, the practice and I pretty much passed out, went down to tie my shoe and just like couldn't get back up and killed over and everyone ran over and everyone kind of knew something was wrong. Cause I looked thin. Yeah. I yeah. looked sick and they ran me to the, the doctor, had a cat scan, found out I had a softball sized tumor, which they thought was a pulled ab muscle, but it was a softball sized tumor sticking out of my stomach. And then a bunch of tumors around my hips and my, were they malignant? Mind. So, uh, no, yeah, oh. no. So it Crazy. ended up being, yeah. So they ended up having, uh, yeah, six months of chemo and then about eight weeks of radiation, um, came back, uh, played the very next year though, but it kind of shifted me. Like before I, before I got my cancer the first time, I had like a 1.9 GPA my freshman year because yeah. I was going to go to the NBA, right? Like the odds of going to the NBA are like point some percent even for a college athlete. But in my mind, I was going to go to the NBA. So really all I cared about was girls and ball. Like that's all I did. Like I didn't really pay much attention to school. I went to class because we had to, but I didn't right. really focus too much on it. And then after I got sick, I was like, okay, wait a second. Like this sport really is a vessel. Like it's not guaranteed that I'm going to go pro. It's not even guaranteed that I'll finish my career. Um, honestly, at this point, it's not even guaranteed that I'll live. Right. So it ended up kind of shifting my perception on what I was doing there. And I ended up graduating with a three, five after that, because my whole perception shifted on why I was there. Um, so, but it, so it was a blessing in that way, but it obviously had an impact on my, my physical abilities. And it kind of took me a few years to get back to normal. I mean, obviously that's amazing recovery uh, and the, the fact that you're able to do that. Uh, but kind of what was the mindset shift like for you in terms of obviously being an elite athlete and then having cancer yeah. and not being able to play ball and sort of, but, but with the, the sort of idea this whole time through your childhood that you're going to be a professional basketball player, like yeah. what were some of the emotions and, and mindset that you were experiencing through all of that? Yeah, it was, you know, I think what helped me get through the, the actual cancer was one support system. Like uh, my mom came, flew from Illinois and her plan was to take me back home and get treatments in Chicago. And, and um, she saw my teammates, she saw the coaching support. So the system, the support I had, they were all in the hospital waiting when she got there. And she was like, I'm not taking you away from this. And I wanted to stay. So I wanted to keep competing. So I took a full class load. Like I didn't stop going to class. I had to get 14 credit hours both mm -hmm. semesters. I was going through chemo and radiation. And I went to every single practice. Like I would go to practice. I would try to shoot on the sidelines. I'd listen to coaches. I'd study with coaches. So in my mind, I was like, I just have to like stay ingrained in this yeah. and then be around positive people and be around a really big support system. So on the external, I was very positive on the external. I was like, I'm going to play again next year. Like nothing's going to stop me. And it definitely mm -hmm. helped me. Um, it didn't really hit me until when I came back, that's when the real challenge happened. When I came back and I felt limited yeah. and I felt like I couldn't do some of the things I used to be able to do. Like I was getting tired really quickly. I started having weird injuries. Mm -hmm. My body was kind of breaking down. So I had like a, 
um, osteopubis or something, yeah. something like that, where my pubic bone and the skin yeah. pulled up. It was just weird. And then I had um, plantar fasciitis and then I'd have knee pain. It just was, it was constantly breaking down or, or like I'd start the season really well. And then it got to the point where I was just constantly fatigued. And then I would struggle to compete in practice, which obviously then impacted my minutes. And, and that's when I started having a lot of, um, a lot of like depression stuff started seeping in a lot of like PTSD and then depression on my future and what was going to happen. But the problem at that time is I was winning all these awards. So I'd won the Jimmy V courage award, which is now an SB. I'd won the Gene Autry courage award. I eventually won the NCAS uh, SA um, Giant Steps Award, like the Sparky Gold. So I was winning all these awards and I was going to school speaking about overcoming challenges and I was speaking at events, but internally I was having depression. Like I was mad. I was angry. Like why? Like I'm not going to live my dream. Like this thing stopped me. This is holding me back. And I kind of started giving it power in a sense because I was saying it was a reason why I wasn't performing. And uh, there was times I would have a smile on my face. Everyone looked at me as this courageous person and I would cry at night. Like I would legit go into my bedroom and cry at night. And I just carried it inside. Nobody knew. I never told my doctors, never told my mom. I never told the coaches. Like I just felt like almost imposter syndrome was coming in too. Like everyone thinks I'm this, you all think I'm courageous and, but really I'm weak and I'm struggling and I'm not as good as basketball players. I should be, and I should be playing better than this. And my dreams are done. And, so it was a it was a challenging time. It was it was really once I got back playing when I struggled the most with it. You know, after college, you played yeah. professionally for a while. Yeah, I did. So I ended up um, after graduating ASU, I was like, I'm done. My body's broken. I went and taught U.S. government at a high school, Florence <laughs> High School in Arizona, uh, because they gave me the head coaching job. So I was okay. like 23. I got a head coaching job at this high school, and they're like, Hey, what could you teach? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, Government. I'm like. I took government my senior year. I vote <laughs> like, and they're like, okay, like teach government. So I, I taught us government there and coached. And it was that summer when I had a teammate say, Hey, I'm going to this tournament in Vegas. Would you like to come? You know, I haven't, uh, and I was like, I haven't played in a year, man. I'm like 255. Like I'm chubby. Like, yeah. and he was like, just come, like just sit in the corner and shoot. Like that's all you want to do anyway. No pressure. And it was, uh, so I go to this thing thinking it's just kind of this little workout will end up being this thing called the global hoop summit. And they had like, uh, the second team for China's national team was there. Team Nigeria was there. And then it was like a bunch of pro-am. So it was former NBA players, like guys I had watched growing up that were yeah. in the NBA. And so I go on this team. I end up no pressure. I averaged like 19 points a game. I shot like 58% from the three-point line. And all of a sudden I had agents just surrounding me like, we love you. Like, first of all, you got to stop being so fat. Like that's what they kept telling me. Like, <laughs> like no one's going to side you if you're fat. So we got to get you in shape. But like, if you get in shape, there's all these opportunities. So that sparked the the career that I had. So I went over to played in Australia, played in Argentina, played in Venezuela, played in Kuwait, played in Korea, Mexico. So I was all over the place and did that for, for several years and then, then came back. During those times, did you sort of feel like reinvigorated or like a, a spark of I did. purpose and passion? Yeah. I definitely did. Like there was still a piece of me that was like, this isn't the NBA still like yeah, you didn't sure. make it like, you know, so there's like, I'm, I've, I've always been my biggest critic. I've always been hard on myself. I still am something I, I constantly try to work through with meditation and visualization and different things, but I'm always my worst critic. And it's, it's pushed me to be very good at basketball. I'm very good at certain things, but it's also stolen my peace yeah. a lot of times. So in that moment, while I did feel the invigoration, I loved it. I enjoyed playing. There was still a piece of me that like was doubting myself or telling myself it wasn't good enough or, you know, again, growing up in my hometown, like I was supposed to be the, put my town on the map is what I felt like. It, it's not sure. what they put on me is what I put on me. And people are going to be disappointed in me because I never made it. And so I did have, I did love it. Absolutely love it. I, I enjoy, I, I retired a little bit too early from it. Um, I'd had my second child and, and my wife at the time was kind of done traveling, which I don't blame her yeah. <laughs> We're traveling all over the place. And I had to make a decision to continue to play and be away from them for six, seven months a year and just see them through, there wasn't even really zoom then it was a Vonage phone. I would call them on a Vonage phone and Facebook pictures pretty much. Um, so it was either be away from them for several months or just stop playing. And I I chose to stop playing. Um, don't regret it because I got to, you know, be with my kids at the same time. I definitely then felt like, all right, what do I do now? Like I'm done playing. Um, I don't want to teach again. That one year experience is just not what I want to do. And then, so I had several years of feeling a little bit lost and then the depression just hit me again. Like, just smacked me right in the face when I got done because then I felt like, okay, well, okay, now you didn't play in the league, but you still got to play professionally, but now who are you? 
Like, yeah. what are you going to do now? You're 20 some years old. Like, what are you going to do? And I jumped around from sales job to sales job. And I honestly got a dream sales job for most people as account executive for a data analytic company, selling like multi-million dollar systems, traveling all over the United States, like unlimited credit card, yeah. uh, going to the nicest restaurants, like working on really high end sales. Um, but I was just, it wasn't me. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I struggled and I just kind of bounced around for a while until eventually went through a divorce, um, got re-engaged to my soulmate. And in that conversation uh, with her, I finally said, look, I'm depressed. Like, I know you see me this way. Cause she's the same thing. I was having that imposter syndrome. She saw me as this like former pro athlete, this really tough guy, this courageous guy, won all these awards, very loving, very positive. And I finally just unloaded and let her know that I'm depressed. Like I'm sad. And as soon as I let it out, it just came pouring out. Like it was anxiety and panic attacks and just severe, severe depression to the point where I put so much pressure on her that she was like, I can't anymore. Like I love you more than anything, but I can't do this anymore. You're kind of, you're bearing me into the ground. Yeah. Um, Shortly after that, I got diagnosed with cancer a second time. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, a second cancer battle came about and then that just kind of caused the depression to get a little bit worse or even worse, which led to kind of probably my darkest moment. But then also the thing that kind of sparked, when you asked me how I got into this, it was the thing that sparked this whole thing. So I had um, attempted attempted suicide and I was like, it wasn't just like I'm um, thinking about it. Like I had created a book for my kids. I had um, for them to deal with my death, letters, music for my funeral, picture collages for my family and my kids. Like I had the whole thing prepped out planned. I had an email. You've been written. thinking about it for a long time. Oh, I've been thinking about it for like four or five months and tried it, attempted it. And it just, I, I thought I did everything right um, the way I did it. And I ended up waking up in the morning and I was still alive. And it was like, okay. Um, what now? Like, and actually the first thought that came through my head is like, you effing loser, you can't even kill yourself. Like you, you're not even good enough at anything. You can't even do this thing. Right. Like really dark thoughts. And, um, after that happened, that's when I was just like, you know what? I have to do something different. Like I can't keep doing what I'm doing right now because it's leading me to a place of where I'm going to be gone. And I kind of just mustered up the courage and strength and decided that I want to take this trip across the United States. It was partly, to try to figure out like what other do people do to be happy yeah. to kind of discover who I am. And part of it was like a bucket list. Like, Hey, if I'm going to end it, like I'm gonna go do some stuff first that I've always wanted to do. You still had it in your mind that like, I did. Gonna... Yeah. I still took, honestly, uh, I still took everything I needed the way that I was going to in my life. I took everything I needed with me and I had it in the trunk the entire trip. Um, just in case I decided yeah. that I was done. Um, but I jumped in my car and I drove around the entire United States. Like I drove, from Arizona through New Mexico, through Texas, went up through uh, New Orleans and through Tennessee, Memphis and Nashville, then back down through Georgia, Savannah, then all the way up the East Coast, all the way back around. I was gone for about three months and I slept in my car outside. I'd park in, I'd go to a hotel, I'd park, I bought blackout curtains for my yeah. windows, I bought like, one of those sunshades and I would fall asleep in my car, I'd wake up, I'd go to an LA fitness or YMCA in the morning, I'd take a shower and I'd work out. And that was, I'd start my day, I'd get ready. And then I'd just go do stuff. And it was a pure three months of just fully listening to my intuition mm. and just trying things, meeting people. Like I ended up going skydiving in Colorado with a one-armed skydiver, which God put me to because I tried skydiving in five different places. Yeah. And nowhere could I find, a, no one would let me skydive because I was too big. And the one place I go that would let me skydive, my instructor had one arm and he lost it in a skydiving accident then created a nonprofit for amputees and then became the first ever one arm skydiver. Like I um, picked up a hitchhiker that I should have never done in North Carolina who had thyroid cancer, just like me. Like what are the odds of that? Like in the boonies and the Appalachian mountains. Yeah. I went surfing in Myrtle beach. I ran a wedding in St. Louis, like midnight walks in central park in New York. And throughout the journey, I found a course of miracles, which is Marianne Williamson. I don't know if you know much about her, but um, this thing called the course of miracles, which is like a spiritual guide. I started meditating all over the place. Um, I went to two or three different healers and, um, had some readings, did, did some like, kind of healing work, did some chakra work, did some cutting cord work. And then I really got into personal development. I stopped listening to, to music and just bought audible and just started listening to books. 
And like the entire trip, every time I'd have like a six, seven hour trip from one place to another, I'd listen to an entire book. And that sparked me into personal development, which when I got back from my trip, I was healed. Um, I no longer had that, that feeling anymore. I was happy. I was excited about life. I was ready to do big things. Um, actually got back with my fiance who is now my wife and we now have a baby and, um, got into coaching. So it was kind of the journey was pretty wild and pretty crazy and went through a lot of darkness, but it definitely led me to where I feel like this is actually my real purpose is to, you know, shift the energy of the world through my life and my story and my gifts. And it's something I get to do every day. Unbelievable. I appreciate you sharing all that. No, of course. Uh, do you think it was the sort of the energy that you came in contact with all the people that you encountered along the way that For sure kind of filled you up to the degree that you were able to change your, your perspective? Oh my gosh. hundred percent. Like, so some of the people, I mean, I have stories for days and I know we only have so much on this podcast, but I mean, I met a man who um, had like you know, terminal cancer and survived, lost his house in Hurricane Katrina. And he's just the most loving person you'd ever meet. Him and his family took me in. I had dinner with them. And when I left, he was like, and I was atheist before I left on my trip. And uh, when I left, he was like, you need to start talking to God. And I was like, yeah, I know I need to, you know, get spiritual. He's like, no, he's like, just, he's everywhere. Just talk to him. Like, you don't have to wait to pray. Just like talk to him. He'll guide you. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, kind of like, okay, you know, I've heard it before. And then I went to a healer when I was in New Mexico who had told me like, same thing. She's like, follow your intuition. God's guiding you. You have guardian angels with you on this trip. Just do what you believe to be right. And it's going to lead you to the right people. And he's got divine appointments set up for you. And I legit had probably about six or seven people that were divinely connected to me, like stories of how we connected, why we connected, right. what was said and what I learned. It's just, it's uncomprehendable and like how that actually happened. It's just, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty phenomenal. Hey guys, real quick. I know this is a tough time for a lot of us. There's a lot of anxiety, frustration, and fear around the economy and our ability to create a safe and stable future for our families. The stress is piling up and without our usual outlets like the gym, seeing our friends, and man, even just getting out of the house regularly, it's easy to get down on ourselves, stop moving so much, start eating and drinking more, and lose sight of the number one most important investment that we should be making right now, and that's in our own health and fitness. Look, the only thing that we can truly control right now is our health, and really what better time is there to make yourself a priority? If you're ready to take back control of your health so that you can be the father, husband, partner, and leader you know you can be by having the energy, focus, drive, and resilience to thrive physically, mentally, and emotionally, then we need to chat. Just schedule your free nutrition strategy call over at bslnutrition.com forward slash level up, or you can find the link in the episode show notes below. I guarantee you'll walk away from our call with more clarity and confidence around exactly what action steps you can start taking today to build the personal foundation for long-term growth in every area of your life. I'll look forward to speaking with you and enjoy the rest of the show. I mean, what is it about the way in which you were putting yourself out there that allowed you to create these types of relationships versus how you had been before? Yeah, I think... um the, it's funny, the first month or so, and I always tell people the story, the first month or so, I felt like people weren't really coming to me as much. Like I was searching them out. Like, sure. um, I did have some, like a couple people like that I somewhat knew that reached out to me and said, Hey, try this. You should go beat this person or come see me here. I'm in Austin, which was an amazing experience. But the, the first month or so, I feel like people were kind of like avoiding me and I felt my energy and it was pretty bad. I was still mm-hmm. depressed. Uh, I had days where I would just lay in my car and not do anything on my trip, like not go anywhere. Um, and once I started, it was funny. I think I was driving to Memphis and I said, I need a miracle. And um, I just went on audible and I said, I need a miracle. I just typed it in and up popped the course of miracles lectures by Marianne Williamson and Marianne Williamson. It was like 12 hours of her lectures uh, that she gives in the marble church in, in Manhattan in New York. And I just listened to them. Like I legit 12 straight hours. I listened to every single one of them and there was so much in there. And one of them was, um, to just kind of constantly tell yourself, I can see peace instead of this, you know, whenever you're in just whatever situation you're in, just tell yourself, I can see peace instead of this mm-hmm. or to ask yourself or tell yourself, like, can I see this differently? 
and just constantly. So I just started asking myself that like 20, 30, 40 times a day. Like, can I see peace instead of this? Can I see peace instead of this? I started reading a course of miracles stuff. I started reading books that were inspired by a course of miracles. And as soon as that shift happened, and I would get into that dark mode, those depressive states, I'd just be like, can I see peace instead of this? And I'd be like, yeah, like my fiance had to leave me for me to take this trip. This trip is going to be the thing that saves me. She wasn't right. Or I'd be like, you know, that thing happened so I could be doing this right now. And I would just try to switch everything. And as soon as that happened, people were like drawn to me and attracted to me. And I always tell people, I didn't look any different. I wasn't dressing any different. Mm -hmm. My energy just completely changed because I was getting more connected. My meditations were deeper. Um, the, some of the things that the healer told me, I started practicing more and yeah, people just started kind of almost gravitating to me. I don't know if, I don't know if they were coming to me or if my eyes were open more to like more divine, you know, ideologies and, mm-hmm. and, and energy. And I was following that path, but definitely something definitely shifted as soon as my energy shifted. You know, I know you say like mm-hmm. you listen to the miracles. I mean, do you feel like it, it literally was like a flip of a switch or do you feel like it was sort of this day in and day out sort of accumulation of oh, for sure. intentional practice that created this new environment for you absolutely it was it was a lot of um like with that it was a lot of listening to, i listened to her lectures like for three months straight mm-hmm. so i was listening to that daily so i was putting that i was consuming that right mm-hmm. i always talk about you know i know you're into nutrition right so what you put in your mouth is your fuel well i think of the same way as what you put in your brain yeah you know brennan bouchard who i'd done you know coaching for his company calls it the rwit relative weight of importance and duration meaning Whatever you put in your head and the longer it's in there, the more it becomes your reality. Yeah. So for me, it was like, let me hear this stuff more often. Let me, um, you know, the more I was hearing it, the more I believed it. And then it was 100% intentional action of me. Like I was like, when, I'm not kidding. I was saying this thing like 30, 40 times a day. I can see peace instead of this. Can I see peace instead of this? Can I see this different? I was constantly asking myself that in every situation because I was really intentional about practicing what I was hearing yeah. in A Course in Miracles. And then I didn't miss a day of meditation. I meditated every day and I meditate in cool places like at the river walk in San Antonio in the Appalachian mountains on this Laurel river, like, um, at the battery in, in Charleston, like in some really cool places with really cool energy. And then I meditated in my car probably two or three times a day too, where I just close my eyes and try to visualize and try to release. So it was very, very, very intentional. Yeah. So it's, I mean, what I, what I'm hearing you say is, is that, Basically, through this intentional practice, you basically were able to kind of rewire your brain. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Neurochemistry yeah. to the degree that you complete shift in perspective. Now, do you still suffer from aspects of depression or do you think it was, it was legitimately, you know, circumstantial or? Yeah, no, I, I still, I still struggle. I still battle it. <laughs> I do. Um, that's why I think I have to continue to be intentional with what works. Yeah. Right. So. Another thing that I did too is I hadn't worked out in a year, maybe mm-hmm. a year and a half. I got up before I went on my trip. I was like 285 pounds. Like I was huge. I was, I'm six, eight. So, yeah. but I was six, eight, 285. Like I look like an Great offensive point. lineman. Yeah. I always tell people like, I knew I was getting fat when people walk up and be like, Oh, what position did you play? Mm-hmm. And I'd say I was a guard, like basketball guard. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, I thought a guard or a tackle. I'm like, no, I wasn't an yeah, offensive no. lineman. Like I'm not an <laughs> offensive lineman. Uh, but like, yeah, no. So I would, I, on the trip, I worked out every day too. Yeah. So the energy from that, I think was huge, like working out and along with the meditation, along with the intentional conversations I was having, along with reading or audible, I call it reading. <laughs> That's what I do. But along with the reading really good stuff, um, I think all those things kind of came together to help me rewire my brain and my energy. Because I mm-hmm. think there was some energy stuff that was um, spiritual or energetic that was in there too. So no, I, but I still struggle with it. And it, um, I actually still go to healers. Um, I still, I practice this thing called gateway healing. There's actually a girl here in Phoenix who is absolutely phenomenal. And she came up with this, the, the philosophy, she healed their own cancer with it. Mm. And I did a couple sessions with her and then I learned how to do it myself. So I practiced that and I still practice my meditation. I still do my workouts. And if I slip in any of those, I can start feeling yeah. stuff, you know? So it's, it's really important for me to stay disciplined with that. Um, the last healer I talked to talked about how when you do things and you serve the light, so you're, you're helping the world, you get attacked by darkness a lot, you know, because it's the, the darkness doesn't want you to heal. It doesn't want the light to shine. And so she was like, you get constantly being attacked. 
So you have to stay consistent with what you're doing. Uh, otherwise you're going to let that darkness in. And for me, that can be really, really, really bad, obviously because of the, the depression I had in the past. So, yeah, it's kind of a dichotomy because it seems like you have to put yourself out there in order to help people, help yourself and help people by virtue of doing that. At the same time, like you said, you get attacked in the process or you feel you might feel attacked in the process or kind of overwhelmed by the darkness. And yet Mm -hmm. it's exactly what you need to, to thrive. And I think that what, what I keep thinking of when I hear you talk about this and what I admire so much about what you've done, I mean, so much, but uh, of it, but specifically like being in a great profession as an example. And we got a lot of people listening that, you know, they have quote unquote great jobs um, or they make good money or they're quote unquote successful. And yet they're fucking miserable yeah. in their existence yeah. or what they've created for themselves. And you know, what's the conversation? Because I imagine this is a lot of clients oh, that you yeah. work with too. So kind yeah. of what's, what's the conversation that you have with them because it's a lot of clients of mine as well. Yeah. It's, it's all of this stuff comes full circle. And it's, For not sure. just, it's never just about weight loss. It's never mm-hmm. just about getting stronger or getting abdominal de- definition or whatever. <laughs> it's always deeper, deeper, deeper. For sure. So w- what's that conversation that you have to help people start to identify and move the needle when yeah. you know it might be something pretty significant? Yeah. Um, I mean, man, that's tough. So... It, it obviously every situation is a little bit different. Sure. Um, one of the things I always try to tell people is that like you have, you actually have full control. Mm-hmm. Like we try to put control on external things or we try to put control on outside circumstances saying, Oh, once that thing changes, I'll be happy. Right. Once I get that job. And even the people that are unhappy right now, like, yeah, you, you're unhappy with your job and you go get another job or you go get your dream job. If you don't fix this other stuff happening, you're still going to be miserable. Like you, that thing is not going to solve your problem for you. Like you've got to do some digging inside on your identity and who you want to be and the way you're living your life and your habits, your routines, et cetera, for that to happen. But at the end of the day, especially kind of using your job situation, because I deal with that a lot, you know, because I'm dealing a lot with high performers or people that are entrepreneurs or trying to be entrepreneurs and they're trying mm-hmm. to leave their career or shift over. And the two things I always tell them is one, you don't have to be miserable right now. Like I, I was miserable in my sales job. Uh, even though it was a great job, but it's your choice. So you can actually shift the way you're looking at it and shift your perception on it and view it differently. Now, I still think if that's not what your dream is, we should be working towards something else. Let's go figure out what that thing is. But in the meantime, you don't have to waste any minute of this life being miserable. It's you're choosing to do that, right? So you can do things to shift that through your actions, through your thoughts, through the things that you're doing, et cetera. And then whenever I'm trying to help them chase that thing down, it's like, you know, it's a lot of getting clarity. Um, you know, what is it exactly you want? What is the, what do you, you know, how are you going to get it? What's the gap filling to actually execute it? And then it's a lot of bold action. You know, it's overcoming the fears that are often stopping them. Um, it's stepping up. It's again, it's changing some of our habits and routines to get the thing that we want. The, a lot of times in my coaching, what I always do is I, I kind of call myself like a, like I tell my clients, I'm going to take them through like time travel. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is like, and it all sparked actually when I was watching back to the future. I remember the back to the future movies. Right? Uh, yeah. I just, just played it all. We just watched them all as a family. See me yeah. too. We Love just probably watched it with my kids. All right. And remember, so remember the second one, he goes and he gets that almanac and he's yeah. going to bring it back yeah. and, and then Biff gets it and it changes everything. Right. Or yeah. they see their life and they see what it looked like. And, and then they know it was, you know, cause he ran the, you, he tried to race that car and he hit the Rolls Royce right. and, cause he could and in the, very, the, in the end of the third one, he chooses not to race it and his whole life changes. So I always tell people like we can do that because it was from watching those books and then listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza where he says like, yes. you know, when you're visualizing something, your mind and body don't know it's not real. You know, you can actually put yourself in that position and your mind and body will think it's actually happening. Like, so you can actually create that reality yourself. So what I always tell people that when I sit down, whatever they're dealing with, I say, okay, here's where we're at now. I want you to visualize what this is going to look like in a year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, whatever we choose. Let's go to the future. So we're going to travel to the future. So let's say we're looking at like their wellness. Let's travel to the future. What does that look like? What do you want it to look like? What are you doing? How are you acting? What workout are you doing? What are you eating? Like where are you, all this stuff. And then we travel back to the future, right? And then we say, okay, where's the gap from what you're doing now to what you should be doing? What are we going to fix? Let's start somewhere. 
What, mm-hmm. what changes do we need to make? Where do we need to challenge ourselves? Where, where do we maybe need to find some support or accountability? Where do we need to like remove some, some perceptions that aren't real, that are limiting us? So we'll kind of work through the gaps and then we'll just, I'll just challenge them and hold them accountable to it. So again, it's really fun because we just time travel to what they want, bring them back to the future. All right, let's fill the gaps. Let's figure out what we need to do. And then we just work through it. So um, you can really do that in almost every situation. Yeah. It's really, really powerful. One, I'm glad you brought up back to the future because uh, I think of that analogy all of the time, actually, just in terms of, you know, the timeline and, and just splitting with, with yeah. kind of one action or series of actions. Absolutely. And I think that one, one of the things that Marty struggled with, Marty McFly struggled with <laughs> the most was controlling his ego. For sure. Um, how do you work with, and, and kind of where does the ego fit within this, this realm, especially for you personally yeah. coming from, you know, professional athlete, yeah. like ego goes a long way in yeah. sport, but it also goes yeah. a long way in terms of corporate success. For sure. And so I, I'd love your, your take on sort of approaching that. Yeah. I love it. The ego question, man, it's, it's so, <laughs> there's so many different strategies and philosophies and beliefs to it. Um, of course, in ego, it talks a lot about how love over fear and the mm-hmm. ego gets in the way, right? Yeah. Our ego is what separates us from other people. Our ego is what, you know, can um, hold us back from actually really connecting, et cetera. Me personally, when I think of the ego, I, I'm really big into the yin yang of it. If that makes sense, I actually have the yin yang tattooed on my, on my arm because I'm, I'm so, um, in, like, I, I just love the idea of balance. And I actually believe, even though I love A Course in Miracles, I actually think the ego has a lot of value um, if it can be controlled and it, if it can be balanced, right? So, for example, for me personally, I am really, really hard on myself. Like, I should have done that better. You could have done that better. Like, how can you do this better? And what I used to do is get so caught in like me, 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 I got to do this better. I got to do this better that I had eventually what I'd end up doing is just drive myself into a hole of being like upset, angry, depressed, not good enough, et cetera. So to me, my balance is pulling out of that and saying, okay, every night I ask myself, what could you have done better? What are you going to do better next time? How are you going to improve, et cetera, my ego. And then I pull out and then I honor everything that happened in my life. I honor the people in my life. I honor the situations. I honor my kids, my family. I have some gratitude. I even honor myself mm-hmm. and like the good parts of me or the parts that failed and it's okay or whatever it is. And so I try to balance it in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So um, another kind of cool way that I even, it's a little bit different way to think of the ego, but um, this is why I think, again, I, I think it's balanced. So Will Smith had said this on Oprah one time and he had said, if you're not making someone else's life better, you're wasting your time. By making their life better, you'll return and make your own life better. Right. And I lived that for so long where I was just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And then, but I was still sad. I was still depressed. So what I actually believe that there's a full circle to that. So, you know, by giving to other people, you in turn return and make your own life better. But also by giving to yourself, you then have the energy and the love and, and, um, you know, by vit- vitality to give the other people yeah. so you can actually impact their life. So I think it's this kind of full circle. So for me, I feel like the ego can be useful if it's balanced with others and giving and then like the good and bad of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really big into kind of like just the balance of flow and I think the balance of ego. So we can, again, we can utilize our ego to be successful as long as we can kind of control the it, not letting it get out of control. If that makes yeah, sense. that's it. I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's important to have to a certain degree, like mm-hmm. you need it, especially, you know, if we talk about any aspect of competition, like egos, you need yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to have that sort of competitive fire in every aspect yeah. of your life at the same time as you need to know how to control it. Absolutely. Um, you know what? And is, why did you watch the last dance at all? I just started watching it. <laughs> phenomenal yeah right? i'm excited to get into it absolutely i mean obviously i grew up in illinois i'm a huge jordan yeah. fan and bulls fan i watched every game growing up um i love michael jordan the most competitive confident athlete i think i've ever seen right. like just the way he carried himself and everything i don't think he was happy right <laughs> i don't think he enjoyed it like you right. could see it like he wore out and he had to go play baseball he wore out he could have continued he was the mvp he could have continued to play at a high level but he he retired because yeah. he was saying he was worn out. I don't think he enjoyed it. And I do think it's because again, I've never met an, 
a high level person that's that supremely competent. Like there's, you have to be supremely confident, but you have to balance it and you have to be able to use that, but then you have to be able to pull out of it and, and kind of shift energies, if that makes sense. And I feel like if Jordan could have stayed in that confident ego space, but then also enjoyed the process, honored himself, stepped back a little bit, giving himself peace, giving himself some slow time, um, relaxed a little bit more, whatever that might have been, he might've been able to play 14 years straight and who, who knows how many you know championships he would have won. Yeah, maybe, but also he may have been as great as he was by it's backing point. off the competitive fire. And I think that's, you know, that's where the, the, the balance or lack thereof comes, yeah. comes into play is can you afford to have the balance there or does it need to be all yang? You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't have an answer for that, especially for these extreme competitors. But I think if we, you know, were to titrate yeah. it down to just uh, the, the normal Jane and Joe is yeah. it does come down to kind of knowing when that competitive fire needs to be for sure. fully switched no. on and knowing when you need to kind of acknowledge your own, your own needs and, and the people around you and kind of supporting that. I love that. You know, it would be interesting to, to talk to Michael Phelps about this. Like, yeah. I don't know if you ever followed him very much, like extremely competitive. Obviously you might argue one of the greatest athletes of all time. Sure. I mean, it's hard not to. Yeah. Um, he's very peaceful though. Like obviously like his meditation, his mindfulness. Um, I believe he turns it on and turns it off pretty well, but he competes at that crazy high level. It'd be interesting to see what his take would be on that. You know, if you can, if you can be that extreme Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, and be able to have the balance, it would be really, really interesting. I, I do believe you can be an extremely high performer and have balance. A lot of people try to give you this, you can't, you know, the old Gary Vaynerchuk, you can't sleep, you, you can't do this, yeah, you gotta yeah, work yeah, all day yeah. long. Like, like, no, like you can have balance in life and I think that can go in our ego as well. It comes back to something I talk to my clients a lot about is understanding who your best self is in different moments, you know? so. For me, when I play basketball, like I was Bill Ambeer. Like I was dirty. I had to be. I'm not athletic. Mm -hmm. I'm slow. I'm not I had to be aggressive. I had to be tougher than everybody else. I had to be a little bit dirty. I had to have like I'd step on feet, I'd pull shorts, I'd elbow back. Like I had to do whatever I could. But when I step off the court, I couldn't bring that with me. Like I can't go home and be Bill Ambeer. It, right. Like, so it served me as an athlete, but as I go home, I have to be able to change who my best self is. You know, I have to be loving and happy and exciting and, 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 uh, compassionate and all those things. If I want to have a healthy relationship and be a good father, you know, and I feel like I do that a lot with, with my clients is I mean, you have to understand the different roles that you can play in life and who your different best self is. And then you need to pull from those in different moments. Uh, there's a time to be very firm and challenging and there's a time to be very loving and, and listening and forgiving. And there's a time at work that you need to be locked in and focused in here. And there might be a time at home where you let, let go and you relax. Yeah. So that's one of the things I do a lot with clients. Let's go through your different situations in life. and like, what's your best self doing? So when we time mm -hmm. travel, I always ask that question. What's your best self doing there? Okay. You're with your, your, your future wife right now. How are you showing up? How are you acting? Okay, right. now you're working on your entrepreneurship. How are you showing up? And that's a lot of times when the ego comes in of like, I'm kicking ass, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, so that's always a really cool conversation. Again, I think that comes from understanding who you are and who you want to be and then doing things to try to show up that way. Well, I that's mean, it. And I think that is said, knowing who you are, who you want to be, having enough life experience to be able mm -hmm. to, to know one way or the other and what you're doing right now that's serving you and what's not serving Absolutely. you. And I think that's sort of the thing with in sport, especially if we're talking about someone who's relatively young in sport and having that ego, like it's, it's necessary. It's a necessary evil mm -hmm. and they don't have enough wisdom mm -hmm. yet to really know whether it's serving them or not. I mean, from a Absolutely. sheer competitive nature standpoint, obviously it is serving them to the degree that they're being successful. But yeah. then what we see for athletes later on in their career is they become more tranquil. They become more mm -hmm. uh, at peace with who they are, what they want to do, uh, what they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and then, you know, occasionally you get sort of that outlier who's young and extremely gifted, but also awesome. mm -hmm. just uh, really uh, just an incredible, you know, character, 
of you know type of person give back i think of larry fitzgerald when i think about someone like that just in terms of his entire career right has been like he's just a fierce competitor at the same time like off the field i mean i don't even know he's given back tremendously just strength of character and everything like that so for sure that's a perfect example that's a perfect example those are both perfect and lebron i would say that about lebron too he gives back so much both those guys are fierce but then also have that the other side of that that ego right like they know when to turn it on and when to to kind of show up differently as their best self in different versions and because of that they have this image of being the best but then also being loving and kind and caring and selfless right there's like a lot of athletes become selfish because everything's about your performance and, and, you know, and it's like, so being able to turn that off and Mm -hmm. then, but again, I deal with a lot of athletes that aren't, don't have enough ego, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're not competing at that next level because they don't believe enough in themselves or they're not giving themselves enough time or energy. They're giving too much time other places and not on what they should be doing. So it's everything is in that balance. You got to find that right. The flow state, if you want to call it the flow state, like everyone's got a different one and, everyone's balance is different. So like you yeah. have to find yours and you hit the nail on the head when you said it's, you know, young kids don't have the experience. It, you have to experience it. Right. You have to fail. You have to maybe have too much ego at some, at some point to like everything we do in life. It's like, that's one of my big things is just start. Like I'm a big fan of just starting because I can sit here and overanalyze it. Like I love the, you know, gaining clarity. I think gaining clarity is huge. Um, I think the question why is a really great question why, why, what is my favorite question is actually how, like when I ask myself how, and I just go do it, I'm, I know that I'm either going to win and something good's going to happen or I'm going to lose and I'm going to learn something. Yeah. And I can then use that experience for that next level. So I'm a big fan of the how, like if you're stuck, if someone's stuck, just go do something and you'll get, end up gaining that experience that if you then evaluate that experience in the right way, you they can use it to, to find that flow state, find that balance, find that balance between ego and and selflessness. Hey guys, real quickly, I wanna talk to you about my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. This is a comprehensive exercise formula that I personally created after experiencing years of frustration, working with hundreds of individuals and athletes that were not getting the nutrition that they needed before, during, and after their workouts. After using numerous workout powders that were low quality, overpriced, chock full of caffeine and artificial sweeteners and were flat out useless, I said enough is enough and figured out how to create a nutritionally dense, comprehensive, and high quality product with ingredients that you can feel good about taking and giving to your family. When you use Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre, during, and post-workout supplements. You'll save time, money, and energy and get all of the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. It's just the ingredients that you need to give you great natural energy, improve your recovery, and reduce your muscle soreness with no caffeine or artificial sweeteners. You can learn more about our complete essentials at bslnutritionshop.com and check out the show notes below for a nice little discount on your first purchase as my way of saying thank you for listening. That's it. Let's head back to the show. I, I love it, and I think it's um, I think it's especially relevant now when we're in this sort of situation where we've you know been in social isolation for a couple months. I think there's a lot of people that have really been sort of evaluating the circumstances in their life. And sure. to be fair, like there's a lot of people in some tremendously difficult situations, um, be it of their own volition or, or otherwise. You know, yeah. and what would you say to to kind of people that may be in a tough situation right now that may be listening um, in terms of how to start moving forward, how to to gain clarity, how to establish purpose Mm -hmm. and and align with their passion. Like what, what can Mm -hmm. we do? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough situation because this is one of the situations where I think one step one is you just have to let go that, you know, this situation is completely out of, out of your control. Like there really isn't anything you can do about the situation. The virus is what it is. The pandemic, like whatever side of the, the coin you're on, on yeah. whether it's real or not real, all that stuff, like that doesn't matter. The situation is jobs have been shut down. 
people have been getting fired, you know, people have been getting sick. Like it's just, it's, it's a tough situation. All that stuff's out of our control. And I'm a big fan of like, we have to let go of things that are out of our control. For so yeah. long in my life, I tried to hold on to cancer and this, I couldn't control it. There's nothing I could do about it. Now I could take steps to hopefully stay healthy and all that. But I can't control the fact that I got cancer. There's going to be some things in our life that we just can't control by trying to control those. We'll drive ourselves into madness. So my first step always when I'm dealing with people that are struggling with this is like, I understand that it's, it's tough. I understand that it's hard. Like 100% agree with you. What can you do about it? Like nothing. So let's try whatever we can do. Let's try to let go. So whatever you need to remind yourself, whenever those thoughts creep in, have that word or have that question that flips you to let go of that thing. And then let's focus on what you can control. So mm -hmm. in this situation, whatever it is, like what can you control? Your actions, your thoughts pretty much is what it yes. comes down to and your emotions that are created from it. So what are you going to do or what are you going to think or how do you want to feel? Let's start there. And, and then a lot of times it's going to come from, let's just start changing the way we're thinking, change the way we're feeling, change the way we're acting. Uh, another thing that I'm big on, this is where I think the why question is really important is spend some time getting some clarity. And it's like, if you don't know what you should be doing, journal, meditate, ask, uh, ask somebody, study something, you know, find an expert. Uh, I love Will Smith. You'll see that quote him all the time. I think he's phenomenal. And he was on Teen Choice Awards. And he said, the keys to life are running and reading. And he said, running, because when you're running, you want to quit, but you keep pushing to get to the finish line. So you go through challenges, right? And, but reading is because there isn't anything that you're ever going to go through in this world that someone hasn't gone through and written a book about. And nowadays, done a podcast about, blogged about, right. made a video, a TikTok about, whatever it might right. be. Like, there isn't anything that we're going through that someone else hasn't gone through and, and overcome or had solutions or has information. Like, so we talked earlier about experiences. Like we can learn a lot through other people's experiences. Like we don't always have to go through that pain ourselves. Like if, Hey, if, if Ben's going to go through the pain, like, Hey Ben, what happened? How did you yeah. do that? What struggled? Like just, that's why you listen to a lot of these podcasts. So for me, I think is gaining clarity and it doesn't always have to come from your own wisdom because sometimes we don't have that knowledge yet. So go get it, go get in touch mm -hmm. spirituality, whatever your spirituality is or your consciousness is through like a meditation. I think journaling, I have a lot of my clients do what I call the morning pages, which is like, you know, when you wake up, you just sit down and you just write whatever comes out, just start writing. Um, I think that's always a big one. I think evening reflections are a big one. Yeah. You really think about your day and then go study yeah. YouTube. I, I learned almost everything I know on my entrepreneurship and towards my business on like my CRM and my marketing all from YouTube videos, yeah. like just study, you know? Yeah. So I think, again, let go of things, figure out what you can control and then and try to gain as much clarity as you can. Now, once you have the clarity, then that comes down to taking control. You got to take action, just do something. You got to, you, you know, fear will always come in of the what ifs, what if this, what if that, like, like it's not real. That future what if is not real. It's just an assumption we're making. So if you're stuck, if you don't do anything about it and you're living in fear or you're worried, you're going to get exactly what you're, what you're asking for. You're going to get that same, that fear is actually going to come true if you do nothing. So I always tell people, take the action. Like you might win, hopefully. Oh my God, like I hope this works. But if not, there's, it's going to teach you something or lead you somewhere. So by taking the action, you're taking a step closer to whatever that might be. Yeah. And could be now, it could be in five years, it could be in 10 years, hopefully it happens sooner or later. But by moving forward, you're eventually going to get that thing that you want. Yeah. Just like you did when, you know, you, you started learning and just started oh, practicing sure. and putting intention sure. towards stuff and growing out of it. And for sure, as you said, it's, it's just been a daily practice, but just commit Absolutely. to the process and, Absolutely. and keep moving forward with it, focusing on what you can control, not what you can't, not living Absolutely. in fear, but living in love and gratitude. Um, last question for you, man. Yes, so sir. we haven't talked much about nutrition and this is you <laughs> made simple show so give me a, yeah. an idea of how nutrition plays a role in kind of your success whether it be yeah. you know how as an athlete um mm -hmm. we call you a lifelong athlete because that's what we all are yeah you know, how does nutrition play a role in your function just physical function mental function mm -hmm. cognitive function emotional well-being from day to day yeah no i think it's perfect so and i'll, I'll kind of go with me and then i'll go with what i teach my clients too right um, obviously I'm not a fitness guru or whatever. So, um, I always point people to other people to give them that information. But my big thing is, is that, that nutrition is ener it's, it's energy. And if we're going to chase down our dreams, we need energy and energy can be 
physical energy. It can be mental energy, you know, so our thoughts and, and, you know, our perceptions create energy. Um, but then the physical energy, right? Sleep, nutrition, working out, it all helps you chase down that thing you want. And if you don't have the right energy, it's going to be harder to get that thing that you want to get. And again, it's not, the energy can be like in fatigue, wearing down, breaking down, et cetera. But it also can be in, um, the energy that you have when you connect with people, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like for me, food is fuel that derives the energy of me chasing my dreams and my passion. And that comes out. I feel like when I'm eating, right? Like my conversation with you is different, right? Like I, like this morning, woke up, meditated, I woke up at five 30, meditated, um, went on a bike ride, came back, had like protein, um, shake and, and, and drink. And I played with my, and this is energy too. I played with my baby for 45 minutes on the floor. We just hung out. She's five months old today. And we just play on the ground. Like that's all energy. Like playing with my baby is giving me energy, right? Excitement, mm-hmm. happiness, gratitude. But the fuel piece of it allows me to be on this podcast and be, on, be excited and motivated, whatever, so we connect. And then hopefully the listeners connect and be like, oh my gosh, that guy. So all of that energy then comes about in you know, opportunities and experiences, et cetera. So again, I think of energy in a lot of different ways, but I think of yeah. energy in terms of like actual endurance and having the, the endurance energy to come through something. I think of the mental energy that, that we need to think the right way, feel the right way. And then just like the energy to connect with yeah. people. And I do think food and nutrition is one of the, the, the biggest parts of fueling, fueling ourselves to have the energy that we need. I love that, dude. I actually haven't thought about that in a long time, but just from the energy standpoint, like food is vibrational energy. We are vibrational yeah, energy and absolutely. the life force of the food we eat is what we take into our body and what we 100%. give off. And, and then just the way you explained it as to how that energy permeates into every other area of our life to the degree that you know, and I know that when we eat something that doesn't align with that vibrational energy, it dissipates and you feel it from, you can't think straight. Mm -hmm. You don't have energy. You feel lethargic. Um, Maybe it just digestively, it doesn't sit well and so on. So I love just thinking about it in that light thinking about it into the greater picture of what it is that we're trying to accomplish on a daily basis. And then asking yourself, you know, from meal to meal, kind of, is this serving, right? My greater vibrational energy, uh, what I'm trying to put out into the world, what I'm trying to accomplish, my higher purpose, my passion. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, it's pretty damn relevant. So uh, Justin, dude, what a yeah. pleasure having a conversation with you, man. How can people oh, find awesome. out more about you and your coaching? Yeah. So, um, you really two places that I kind of post the most and everything. So my website is just justinthomasallen.com. So Justin it's Thomas in Allen, A L L E N. Yep. Yep. And then my Instagram is the same thing. So Justin Thomas Allen, A L L E N. So if you go to those two places, I have all my bio, my links, all that stuff. You have my information for coaching. Um, work on a lot of different projects as well that all go along with my mission of, you know, shifting the energy of the world. So we're working on an app that provides uh, coaching for like less than 10 bucks a month, pretty much like, it's like give up your, uh, your Starbucks and come into a community where I'll do weekly challenges, where we connect, where we talk, where we, you have access to me with questions. And then obviously I have my coaching and, and work on a couple other things. So it's awesome, man. The app's great. I, I was, uh, to be fair, I haven't spent a ton of time in it, but I was scrolling through this morning looking at it and it's really some thought provoking questions and great community you got going on in there. So sure. make sure you guys check that out. If you do nothing else, scroll down right now in your podcast app, go ahead and follow Justin on Instagram and then check out his website. If you want to connect with him. Uh, man, what a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. And I'm super grateful to, to have the opportunity to speak with you, to share this with our listeners and, and we'll have to connect here in person considering. Absolutely. Pretty very, cool. very soon, man. Well, I've, I've, same thing. I'm so grateful and have so much appreciation that you even asked me to be on. I uh, feel blessed that we are connected um, through a couple people that, that yep. we both trust, you know, with Dr. Jason and with Greg and yeah. I'm glad that they connected us because I, obviously this conversation is amazing. Our conversation we had previously was amazing and I look <laughs> forward to continuing our relationship. So thank you so much. Yeah, dude, we'll have to, once I click, uh, the stop button, we'll talk about those ASU parties. I love it. Yeah, right, right. Watch out <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, Catch you later. All right, buddy. All right, take it easy, bud. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? 
Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.